I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Hello, all spooky nerds. Aaron Sagers here, and welcome to Small Talk, a mini-episode of the Talking Strange Paranormal Pop Culture Show. I'm right now recording this in a hotel room. Kind of a cold hotel room, honestly. I'm in Orlando, Florida, and I am down here for the Tron Light Cycle Run attraction opening at Magic Kingdom Walt Disney World. And along with the, it's called all the Disney Thrills event, where they unveil a bunch of new things, such as Woody's Roundup Barbecue, which I was able to sample. But Yes, the Tron Light Cycle Run is based on particularly the 2010 Tron movie, Tron Legacy, and seems to be ramping up the the Tron franchise more to more for more to happen with that. And I'm I have to say it was a fun theme park attraction. It's very fast. You're on the light cycle. You're basically lying flat on your belly, and and then you're zipping around. And the whole idea is you're on Team Blue, and you're racing against Orange. And um, you know, it's like you're you're uploaded into the the grid of Tron. Not a, actually actually not a whole lot of story as far as theme park attractions go, but it was still fun. It goes fast. It's kind of short. I would do it again. I would say that if you're at Disney and you can get a lightning lane, it's it's definitely worth checking out. But meanwhile, so that was Tron. And of course, while I was down here, you guys know me as a tiki nerd. I've made my way to the tiki 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 room at Disney, as well as Trader Sam's Grog Grotto, the tiki bar at the Polynesian Resort. And it has been a very a fun work trip. I mean, it is work, but it's been a fun work trip, but also tiring. All this theme parking is going to be a little bit tiring. Anyhow, so that was Tron, and that's why we are recording this and getting this out maybe a little bit late compared to what I normally get it out there. Well, last week, our listener-submitted story was about a a action figures Billy Peck's story about action figures that were seemingly moving on their own um he had some sort of ghost that was playing with his collectible action figures which is both cool and also a little unsettling because collectors I don't think I mean unsettling from the collector perspective because I don't think uh, most collectors want anyone messing around with their action figures so imagine if you had a ghost that was taking your pristine mint, uh, mint in box action figures, tearing oh tearing them open and playing with them. It'd be great paranormal story, great paranormal evidence, I guess. But really depreciate the value of that of those Star Wars figures that you have still on their backing. So the story this week is submitted to us from Marla and Marla submitted this story for the 
the evil toy doll giveaway that we were doing a couple weeks ago, the baby oopsie doll. And Marla wrote a, a really great story. Unfortunately, it wasn't really a story about a haunted doll, but it's still a good story. And I asked Marla if we could read it, even though it wasn't really necessarily part of the, the giveaway, and she seemed into it. And Marla is also with the group the spiritual misfits so i'm going to give her you know when you when you submit a, a letter a story you get a free plug so marla carton is at the spiritual misfits.com spiritual misfits.as.me but also spiritual misfits.com so check them out now marla's story i'm going to dive into it and it's a bit of a long one and, and actually, Marla had, I want to express appreciation because she had engaged with some of my other projects and said she enjoyed uh, listening to me on the Bigfoot and Beyond podcast, which I just did with Cliff Berkman and Bobo. So thank you, Marla, for listening to that. So, okay, let's dive into Marla's story. She says, first off, she knows that this is a long story and I can cut it down if I need to, but I don't want to do that. Um, let's dive in. Marla's story. I'm a psychic medium, born that way. Both of my kids are too. But before you just move on in the next email, hear me out. I am not what you would stereotypically think of as a psychic. My goal on this earth is to bring the science regarding intuition development to higher learning institutions, to prestigious four-year colleges and such. If we can learn about the human condition, which connects us all through literature and religion, why can't we learn about the science behind the energetic connection that connects us all? I'm a PhD student at the University of Sedona and was able to land one class at a higher learning institution starting this summer in Asheville, North Carolina, where I currently live. During the course of my career, I have found multiple missing people, one in particular in which EMTs have confirmed that if it was an hour later, this person would have died. I have solved mysterious death cases, saved lives with medical mediumship when Western medicine has missed things on tests and in the emergency room. Blah, 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 she says. Just trying to give you a sense of the legitimacy and brevity in which I take my career. But my story is not from my career. In fact, this story is what stopped me from using my gifts for 20 plus years because it was so fucking terrifying. About 20 years ago, I was living in the ghetto of Hartford, Connecticut. Yes, Connecticut's capital city is old school Compton level bad in certain areas. I had just moved into a home that my now ex had purchased a year earlier because it was dirt cheap. Not because it was in the ghetto, but multiple times I witnessed people getting shot over drug deals on our street. It, but it was cheap instead because one of said drug-related murders began on the front steps of the home and continued on inside the house. It was apparently a gruesome and awful scene that culminated in the living room. Since my net ex knew of my abilities, he also knew I wouldn't be super thrilled to live in a home if I knew all the details. But, as I always say, you can't lie to a psychic. Important to note, the year it occurred 
has still never been disclosed, but apparently it was a brutal stabbing, not a shooting, which is relevant to the story. Spoiler alert. I had already seen the spirit of the murdered man. He had a psychedelic vibe about him. Let me clarify that. He didn't just give me a gangster vibe. He gave me a peace and love vibe. I probably judged him partially on the basis of his bell-bottoms, tie-dye t-shirt, and long hair, and partially because his aura was yellow. Yellow is not an unhappy, scary color. He showed me his stomach and a river of blood flowing out of it, so I knew it was a stabbing. What I did find weird was that he pointed to the basement door and silently warned me not to go down there. It was more like charades where he would appear back then. I couldn't quite understand my own way of getting messages, and I didn't physically hear spirits, thank God. The fateful night of the incident came about a month later. I hadn't seen Mr. Peace and Love murder victim since the day after I moved in, and I didn't feel him there anymore either. I did feel a sickening feeling when I would go near the basement door. So me being me, I flat out refused to go down there. I literally paid to do laundry at a laundromat instead of venturing down the stairs in my own home. As I said, it was about a month after I moved in and we were asleep upstairs. There were two bedrooms in the home. Both bedrooms were upstairs with no master and only one shared bathroom between them. Don't judge, we all lived in questionable places in our early 20s, right? But hey, at least we didn't have a roommate. I was woken up out of a sound sleep to what sounded like a gunshot, which, as I stated earlier, would not be unusual noise in our neighborhood. However, it was in this case, it was unusual because it sounded like it came from inside the house. But maybe the basement? I didn't move, and I didn't wake up my ex. I rationalized it by creating the narrative that the cat had knocked over a broom downstairs, and the loud lightning-esque crack that woke me up was just the broomstick hitting the wood floor below us. But my cat was sitting next to my feet, staring out the door of the bedroom intently. Suddenly I heard, yes, physically heard, the air being sucked out of the room. It was indescribable. Yet, I can never unhear it, and let me be very clear here, I never want to hear that noise again. Then, I heard the basement door open. I knew the latch on the outside of the door was in, a place, was in place when I went to bed because I made sure every single night to check it. Anything that was coming from the basement could not have opened that door from inside the basement, yet, I very, very clearly heard the door open. This is when I heard the first footfall on the wooden stairs leading up to the bedrooms. Again, rationally, it made no sense that something could have come from the basement, through the kitchen, and begin to climb the stairs to where we were sleeping. Just as I was about to wake up my ex, I stopped. Suddenly, I could actually see the atmospheric pressure in the room change. The only way to describe it is to say that suddenly the air moved slower, like it had somehow it had viscosity. The temperature plummeted to downright bone chilling, and I could not move. My cat stood up, but yet crouched in an undecided position, like, am I, am I gonna fuck up what's coming up these stairs, or am I out of here? I remember experiencing the kind of fear that moves through you, like really good ecstasy when it first hits, you know? You know that 
did I just literally get hit by a wave that may drown me or am I going to shit my pants feeling? Truthfully, and I hate even to write this because I do not even know how I feel about this statement because even to me it seems absurd, but I felt as if I was being pinned to the bed. Physically, I could not move and I could not close my eyes. To this day, I cannot explain it and scientifically, I do have the background to explain most of these things. Whatever was advancing up the stairs at a painstakingly slow and deliberate pace had the cat in a full-fledged fight mode. Its back was arched. It was hissing like the creepy cat from Pet Cemetery. She was exhibiting behavior I had never even been aware she could do. I already assumed that she had the hissing chip removed at the shelter because I had never seen it in her in the four years of our acquaintance. I heard what I assume at this point is a person breaking in to rob us and for the first time I was having weird anxiety reaction uh, which had me frozen instead of in a fight mode I heard the loud slap of the person's shoes on the final steps before the only option in our tiny house would be turn to be to turn and be in our bedroom and the cat loses it she leaped off the bed and ran into the closet like a traitorous Benedict Arnold and as I watched her scramble to safety and literally f as I was frozen in fear, all I could do was wait to see the gun pointed in my direction and come to terms that this was my last moment on earth. He reaches the final steps and slowly rounds the corner into view. I hate even typing this part because I am reliving it and the fear is still there. It's been about 20 years. I've been through some shit and I've seen some awful shit, but this story still scares me to the point that this is maybe only the second or third time I've told it. Anyway, it's important to know at the top of the stairs, there was a window. That night I remember the moonlight coming through as this person was loudly, tortuously, slowly ascending the stairs. I remember thinking, I should be able to see his shadow by now. The moon is so bright. Why can't I see his shadow? And then he is there, slowly, deliberately turning the corner from the stairs to begin his journey into the small hallway in front of the window and then into our bedroom. He is shockingly tall, wearing a hat with a brim. He is gaunt and thin, wearing a suit, a full fucking suit. However, it looked like it was maybe from the Prohibition era double-breasted, dramatic buttons, and the jacket was way too long. I didn't see a gun or a weapon at all, but what I also did not see were his eyes. The man stepped in the moonlit hallway and turned his head to look directly into my eyes, but he didn't have any. His face was just a vast blackness where a face should have been, and his eyes, they were missing completely. I could see the moonlight in the background from the window shining directly through where his eyes should have been. He paused like that for what felt like a year, but in reality was most likely only 30 seconds and no eyeballs, eye contact, and I know I stopped breathing. He then broke his gaze with me and continued down the hallway with his deliberate heavy steps. Moonlight now shining through his whole body as he passed by my room and entered the empty bedroom next to mine. I gasped for air so dramatically that when I could breathe again, it woke up my ex. He looked around the room and then said, 
It is absolutely freezing in here. It was the summer and we did not have air conditioning. My entire body was involuntarily still shaking. I couldn't talk. I finally just closed my eyes and begged him to lead me to the car and drive me to his parents' house, which was about 20 minutes away. He had no idea what was going on, but he patiently allowed me to bury my head into his chest while he led me down the stairs and into the car while I was still shaking and hyperventilating. Thankfully, his parents let me stay there that night, and when it was light out, I grabbed my things and my treacherous cat, and I never went back. I moved to California about three weeks later. I'm sure many people have crazier stories than this one. However, and she says this very generously, however, if I were to win the doll, I would like you to auction it off and give the money to a charity. And that is actually very gracious of her. So she says, finally, Marla writes, thank you for taking your time to read this and keep up the good work on your end. It's important and I sincerely appreciate it. Well, Marla, I appreciate you. I appreciate this story. It sounds like you had an encounter with a hat man. And I'm curious if anyone else out there has seen a shadow person or a hat man and, or a Batman or a cat man. Uh, I was sorry that I went off the rails there, but hat man stories, this is both uh, shocking and terrifying but also somewhat familiar as far as the patterns that we've come to associate with the hat man. So, Marla, Marla Carton from the Spiritual Misfits. Check her out, head to the Spiritual Misfits website, thespiritualmisfits.as.me, and check her out there. And Marla, thank you for your very nicely written letter and creepy as hell I'd be curious if um, she had any other experiences with shadow people after that. She'd have to, to hit us up again. And I want to hear from you guys. Uh, what are your reactions to Marla's stories? What are your stories? Send me guest suggestions. Send me your stories. Ask questions about the show. Send it all in to TalkingStrange at denofgeek.com. And in the meantime, until next time... I'm Aaron Sagers, and this has been Small Talk, a mini-episode of Talking Strange. Remember, kids, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content.